All right, I don't know uh, what part this is, uh, a series that we're into that which dwells within the Holy Spirit. Today's topic, holiness. Holiness. If I were to guess, some of you were probably not raised in a church or a home that taught or emphasized or possibly even modeled living a life of holiness. It's why I told you that story that I told last time two weeks ago. I told you about that lady in our uh, congregation back in Columbus. Charlie was her name. She drove by this building year after year, had no idea what it was. And then one day she looked over and she thought, well, I wonder, what is that? And uh, she just recognized it. And it was the horseshoe. It was where Ohio State plays football. And for years, she had no idea that one of the, probably the biggest building structures in Ohio, most well-known, what that was. And I thought to myself, how many times do we drive by the message of holiness and we just drive by it and we don't even realize what it's saying? It's so important. It is so important. But let me begin this morning by making a statement. You and I are commanded to live holy lives. Let me say that again. You and I are commanded to live holy lives. Let me say it a third time. Some of you are starting to get it. You and I are commanded to live holy lives. We cannot avoid it. We cannot get away from it. Some verses that I showed you last time, 1 Thessalonians 4, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Hebrews, pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. You see, it's not me, it's not Brock calling you to this, but it's God Himself. It's why I spoke two weeks ago on the holiness of God. I wanted us to... Just get a glimpse of God's glory, just a glimpse of God's holiness so that we would have a healthy fear. I say healthy fear, a healthy awe, a reverence for God. Notice that I said healthy fear. There are times when we need to have healthy fears in life, amen? We need to have a healthy fear that if we put our hand on the stove, is going to burn us, so we don't want to do that. We have a healthy fear that when we send our kids out to play, we don't want them playing in the middle of a busy highway or road. That's a healthy fear. If, if I need Parker to do something, and if I send Jenna to go tell Parker that I need him to do something, it all depends on Jenna's approach. And what do I mean by this? And Jenna can walk in... Uh, uh, say it's time for dinner. Jenna can walk into Parker's room 
which I think this has happened. And she said, Parker, you need to get downstairs. It's time for dinner. What do you think he's going to do? His sister told him it's time to get downstairs, and he ain't moving. Right? But I'll tell Jenna, I'll say, Jenna, tell your brother his dad said it's time to get to dinner. See, that's different, isn't it? And see, there needs to be a healthy fear because when Parker hears, Dad told me, I better get here. And that is a concept I was trying to get across a couple weeks ago, that our God is so holy, our God is so full of glory, that there should be a healthy awe, a healthy fear, a healthy reverence, so that when God in His Word tells us to do something, God Himself is telling us. And we need to listen. should produce an obedience. That fear and awe should produce. I just, I just, God just spoke to me and just said, make sure you make this point clear. It's got to be healthy. Some of you grew up in a home to where you did not have a good, healthy relationship with your father. And as soon as I say you need to have a good, healthy fear of a father, that just brings bad connotations. That's not what I mean. No matter what kind of earthly father you had, your heavenly father is a father of love, father of grace, a father of patience, a father of mercy and kindness. But he's also a God that expects obedience. And so there needs to be that healthy fear. For he is the one that said, be ye holy as I am holy. Some of you may be saying, why all the emphasis on holiness, Pastor? I mean, God, He doesn't want us to be in a box. He doesn't want to, like, hamper our life, right? Why all the emphasis on holiness? Listen, God, it, God that's just not one of His, his characteristics, uh, His traits. It's just not He's holy. He is holy. He's the embodiment of holy. And see, because of that, he cannot stand to look upon anything sinful or unholy. His nature cannot stand for it. Now, some of you may be saying, but Pastor Brock, didn't Jesus take care of all of that when he died on the cross, when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior? Why all the fuss over all this holiness? And I would say, yes, Jesus' sacrifice did cleanse us from our sins. However, the Word of God tells us that we must maintain that holy heart. Somebody say amen to that. There must be a maintaining of that holy and pure heart. We are to be found. How are we to be found when He returns? holy. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. That He might sanctify, there's that word again, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now listen to this. That He might present her to Himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That is the bride. That is the church 
that Christ is coming back for. Amen? That is who He is coming back for. And I'm telling you, this is the message of holiness. This, this has been a crazy week, and uh, my normal sermon preparation time has, has just been cut up and chopped up, and uh, I don't know if it was the evil one that didn't want me to preach this, but I'm kind of fired up to preach this, to be honest with you. I'm ready to go. I feel that God's in Right? You, you all helped enter us into a presence of God. Did you sense that? Your worship. Your worship. If I could have stopped singing, I would have stopped and preached right away. Mm. I'm reading through uh, the Bible, and I'm in Leviticus, and that's a rather difficult book to, to go through right now. Um, but in the entire book of Leviticus is an instruction manual for the nation of Israel. It's, it's an instruction manual for how the Jewish people can worship, how they can serve a holy God. And speaking of that verse there, listen, that, that, that's a reference to Leviticus. This is what God told Moses to say to them. This is what he said in Leviticus. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. That's another word for sanctify. And you shall be holy. For I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy. For I am holy. You see, if God said it, if our Heavenly Father said it, it must be important. Listen, this is just not a message for biblical theologians or seminary professors. It's not some homiletic exercise for bored pastors. It's not a message meant to confuse. It is a tenet directly from God to everyone and who will hear the good news that it's possible to live a holy life. It is attainable. This week I stumbled across a truth that I, the scriptures just began to unfold themselves to me. What we need to start doing, now this sounds simple, but what we need to start doing is we just need to start behaving like we were created. Now what do I mean by that? What did God say about us? He said that we were created in the image of God. We know this to be true. Now look at what Romans 8.29 says. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. There's that word image again. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Listen, we are being made and then being conformed into the image of God and Jesus This is what we were created to be long ago. We were made in the image of God. Now Romans is telling us that we need to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be thinking of what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. It says, and do not be conformed. There's that word conformed again. 
Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but through the renewing of your mind. So that you will know what his good, pleasing and acceptable will is for you. Mm. Holiness. My former pastor, Bill Constantopoulos, wrote a book, Spirit Within, and he defined holiness like this. It is the outward manifestation of the inward work of Christ in the believer. The essence of holiness is Christ-likeness. It is the culture of God's kingdom. You could just sit there for a couple minutes and just dwell on that and just dissect that and what does that mean. And let me just break it down for you simply. Holiness is nothing more than that. Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. But here's the key. This is where the Holy Spirit comes into play. Here's the key. It's through holiness, is through the ongoing, lifelong process of sanctification. And then we will find ourselves looking and sounding more and more like Him and less and less like ourselves. Amen? Let me say that again. It's through the ongoing ongoing, lifelong process of sanctification, we will find ourselves looking and sounding more and more like Him and less and less like ourselves. It's that desire to look and act just like Him. If I had a... I don't know if the phrase used to be a dime or nickel or whatever, but inflation, so I'm going to say quarter... If I had a quarter for every time that someone has told me, Brock, you look and sound just like your dad, I'd be a wealthy man today. Um, I resemble my dad in several ways. Um, it's kind of funny, just my mannerisms sometimes, I, I look like my dad. Um, my dad, when he lays on the floor and he's just watching TV, I'll find myself laying on the floor and just the way that I'm laying, Stephanie says, you look just like your dad. I'll even sigh. I, I sigh just like my dad. Sickening. <laughs> if I could just have someone say, Brock, you look just like your Heavenly Father. That's what I want to hear. How about you? Put your name in that blank. Brenda. You look just like your Heavenly Father. Willie. Phyllis. Lyle. You look just like your Heavenly Father. What a compliment. What a compliment that would be. Oh, that that would be our heartbeat, that that would be our soul desire in life. Now, let me just kind of turn a corner here and Let me just say this. For some people, the word holiness is a bad word. What do I mean by that? The word holiness brings about bad connotations. What do I mean by that? We are a part of a holiness church, a holiness movement. The holiness movement, when this really kind of took off, began back in the 1800s. Charles Wesley and the Methodists, 
they began teaching and believing that it was possible to live free from voluntary sin. And we say, praise the Lord, amen to that, yes? They began to preach and believe that it was possible to live free from voluntary voluntary sin. That living holy and pure lives was indeed attainable through the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification. Amen. In order for this to be true, one has to separate themselves from any worldly influence, habits, or practices. We believe that to be true as well. However, what spawned off of this was a very restrictive, legalistic, inhibited lifestyle. Life became more about do's and don'ts. List of what one can and cannot do. Now follow me here. This is key. This is very key. Life became more about what you could and could not do. Legalistic code of conduct, so to speak, where individuals would make up a list of things that you were allowed to do and things you weren't allowed to do, and it was more of a, of a message of restrictions. Do you know that when Jesus entered the scene, that by that time of, of history, the Pharisees had looked at the Torah and the law, and they had come up with 613 laws and regulations. Laws and regulations that all the Jews were required to follow. Now get this, out of those 613, 365 of them were negative. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do this can't do that. 248 were positive. And by the time that Jesus came, this system of 613 laws had become a cold, heartless, and arrogant brand of righteousness. In their eyes, if you committed one, you were guilty of committing them all. This created a culture where life was more ritualistic than spiritualistic. Instead of having a heart after God, it produced a false and flawed religion. Look at some of the things, or listen to some of the things that it produced. Where once accountability was between man and God, now accountability was between man and man. Removing God from the equation altogether. It also reduced the person, oh listen to this, Speaking of the Holy Spirit, it also reduced the person's ability to discern the will and heart of God. Just took it just took away. All we have to do is just make sure we're following the 613 laws. I mean, we're good to go. Doesn't matter where our heart is, as long as we follow the 613 laws. It created a judgmental spirit. Everyone was judging each other based on what each person was or was not doing. In essence, they were doing that. You get a thumbs up or you get a thumbs down. Personal convictions and preferences began to take precedent over God's leading. Produced a false sense of righteousness. And those 613 laws became a major burden Trying to remember and then living up to all those laws was incredibly difficult. And if you go to Matthew chapter 23 sometime, you'll see where Jesus just jumped all over that and said, Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. 
All of these laws and roles is what drove Jesus to say to those scribes and Pharisees, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. (laughs) Sounds just like what the holiness movement grew into at times. Now follow me here. What do I mean by that? The holiness movement got so legalistic and got so restrictive that they began to have their own codes of conduct, so to speak. Late 1800s, at the time, neckties were very popular in society and the church outlawed men from wearing any kind of neckties altogether. I say praise the Lord for that, you know. Yeah, I'm all down with that. This just gives you an idea. That was seen as being vain. You were not allowed to go to ball games, any kind of ball games, baseball, football, any kind of ball game. Drinking coffee was off limits. Boy, that most of you would be done, right? Movie theaters were outlawed. Women, I feel sorry for you, women. No jewelry, no makeup of any sort was permitted. Hair had to be up, could never be cut. Dresses had to be worn at a certain length and you could do this and you could do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. And and the holiness movement, while its motives may have been pure, I believe they created a mindset similar to that created by the Pharisees. Now follow me here. Don't, Don't leave on me here. As the years went by, I believe it caused many to hate and resent the message of holiness. To have a false interpretation of what holiness really is. So what happened? The church began rejecting this legalistic and restrictive teaching and so she went the other way. And so what do we have today? We have a total 180. Instead of living lives separate before the Lord... Much of the church lives however they want to live, and it's hard to tell the church apart from the world. Amen? Divorce rate among professing Christians is the same as the world today. It's okay if you let a foul word slip now and again. Hey, besides, you're only human, God understands. There's no restraint when it comes to what many Christians watch on TV and movies today. Social drinking is, is acceptable. And it's even practiced and preached in our pulpits today. I was talking to uh, Brian and Jess, and uh, they were at a church one time. I'm not going to get into the specifics of all this. and you know, we, we can have arguments if you want. But he said he was at this church one time and this pastor got up and he said that he thought it was okay to have an occasional beer at times. Now listen to me. I, I am not, I'm not stating that every single person who professes to be a believer, if there's certain habits in their life that they're no longer a believer. That's not my place to say. That's not for me to judge. But I do know what the Word of God says. And the Word of God tells us to live a holy life. 
And it won't take too long if you are desperate for Jesus, if you're desperate to have a heart after God, it won't take too long before the Holy Spirit begins to tap you on the shoulder about certain things in your life. Amen? And I'll leave the timing and I'll leave the specifics up to God. Let me just go back to we are to be holy as He is holy. Homosexuality is not only accepted in many of our Protestant churches, it's standing behind many of our pulpits as more and more homosexual ministers are being ordained and accepted. Do you, do you see what I'm, the, the picture I'm painting here? I believe there was so much restriction and so much uh, burden placed on people that they just ran the other way. They said, forget it. I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to live life to the fullest. I'm going to have fun and I'm going to enjoy myself. And the church has done a complete 180. You see, the holiness movement created, I believe, a culture of fear at times. Now, now, some of you are thinking, but, but Brock, aren't you going to, you know, we just can't be wild. I mean, we can't, hold on, hold on. They created a culture of fear, but let me turn this around. Here's the bottom line right here. Holiness is not about who you fear the most, but it's about who you love the most. Got that? Holiness is not about who you fear the most, but it's about who you love the most. Look at what Romans 6.22 says. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, which is that's who we are, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. What does this mean? Let me kind of bring this around now. This, this, is, this should be our heart right here. This should be my heart. This should be your heart. Every single one of us should be, um, we should be looking ourselves in the mirror and asking God to reveal truth to us right now. Here it is. Once you have found Jesus, the one who has forgiven you of your sins, has promised you an abundant life here on earth, and has promised you eternal life in heaven, once you find this Jesus, you are free and free indeed. Amen? You are free. Bill Gaither wrote a song. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past. For I've traded my shackles for a glorious thought. Folks, I'm free. Praise the Lord free at last. I'm free. This freedom... Once you've experienced it, it should produce in us a heart of such gratitude, such thanksgiving, that we will gladly give our lives unto holiness for God. Anything He wants, He gets. Your life, my life, is now all about pleasing Him, all about loving Him, all about serving Him, all about being like. When this is your experience, now here I'm going to bring it around. When this is your experience, you will not want anything in your life that is not of Christ. Amen? You see, here's where the love part comes into play. You will love Jesus so much that before you know it, you will find that you don't want to watch 
same things on TV that you used to watch. You won't want to go to some of those movies that you used to go to. Amen? You won't want to listen to some of the music that you listen to. Your trash can is going to start getting full with things that you can no longer listen or watch. You no longer want to put those harmful things into your body that you used to put into it. And from now on, the Holy Spirit is the one who will tell you what is and what is not appropriate to wear. Amen? Amen. It's the Holy Spirit, not Brock. I'm not making up my rules. It's the Holy Spirit who calls us unto holiness. What does that look like? Listen, I've recently spoken to two men whom God is stirring their hearts and He's doing a great work. And they both talked about how God is changing their desires and their habits. The things that they used to do, they no longer want to do. Say praise the Lord. Church, when you find that certain patterns or mindsets in your life are changing because of your love for Jesus, you will find that you are on the road to holiness. Because it's all about love. <laughs> it's kind of like this. When I married Stephanie, I gave her all of me. She became exclusively mine and I became exclusively hers. Our relationship is not one of list. It's not one of prenuptial agreements. It's based on love. Now, when I got married, was I able to go out and flirt with other girls? Could I secretively go out and see other women and cheat on her? Could I secretively look at pornographic images? Well, sure, I could. But here's the point. I love Stephanie so much that I don't want to do anything that would hurt her. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to be found any place that would hurt her because of my love. Because I know these things would hurt her deeply and my love for her would not permit me to do anything like that. You see, holiness is like that. It's not about what you can and cannot do. Don't hear what I'm not saying, as Steve Charles would say. Don't misunderstand me. It's not about what you and I can or cannot do. It's about living a life so pleasing to God that you do not want to do anything going to hurt him. That's going to be a bad representation for your Lord and Savior. Remember what he's done for you. Don't forget, don't forget what he's done for you. And even though I believe the old restrictive ways of holiness have done more harm than good, our love and commitment for Jesus that we will, hear me, we will live differently than the world. Amen? We will live differently than the world. What did uh, uh, 
Rick Webb say when, uh, when he preached that Friday night on evangelism? He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't even say the word Jesus. He just lets his life do the talking. Living holy lives will impact every area of our lives. When we accept Christ, we are new creatures. Old things have passed. All things have become new. Now, and I'm getting ready to close this up. Hear me out. You can't live this life on your own. Can't do it. Can't do it. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. You can't say things enough good ways to just try it. You can't do it. You cannot do any of this without the help of our title series, That Which Dwells Within. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, you cannot do any of this. You see, this is who we are. This is our driving force. This is our reason for living. This is our purpose in life is to be like Jesus. Listen to what Bill Kay said in his book. One of the most disturbing signs of our day is the embarrassing silence of the Christian pulpit when it comes to the message of holiness and the widespread neglect of such an experience. He then went on to say this, and I put it up on the screen. History has taught us that the stance of the pulpit always determines the state of the people. The church loses influence, authority, integrity, and missional effectiveness when the character of holiness is absent and when the church ceases to bear the marks of Christ. Let me read that first sentence again. History has taught us that the stance of the pulpit always determines the state of the people. Listen. The message that I'm preaching you today is not going to produce a lot of megachurches. And may not produce a bunch of amens, but, will, will, but what it will produce are a bunch of followers who look like Jesus. I spoke to someone recently who uh, attended a big church and... Um, And, and they admitted that it's convenient because they can slip in the side door, experience their hour service, and they can slip right back out. Don't have to talk to anybody. Don't have to interact with anyone. They don't have to feel uncomfortable. They admitted it. They said that's probably not a good thing. See, what I preached back in my fan and follower series is true for me as it is for you. At times, the Holy Spirit is going to mess with our lives. He is going to mess things up. He's going to twist things. He's going to, he's going to start to make us angry. Why? Because He's trying to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's all He wants. In Bars Mill Church of God, I will stand before God one day and give an account not just of my personal life, but I will give an account of the truth that I brought forth from this pulpit in His Word. 
And if there is one truth I do not want to be found guilty of not preaching, it's the truth of holiness. Somebody say amen. I'm going to ask the praise and worship singers to come on up. I'm closing with this. This is the message of holiness. It's to be like Jesus. Again, don't misunderstand me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not about living according to lists, a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about codes of conduct. You don't have to live up to Brock's standards. It's about loving Jesus. It's about loving Jesus so much that you will empty yourself of all of who you are and be filled with all of who He is. Is this a lifetime process? Yeah. Yeah. Will we need to change and die to some things in our life? Will we need to begin living differently? Probably. But if you'll be open to the Holy Spirit, He'll lead you and guide you during that time. And I would have to believe this morning as we close, there's some people in here, you want to look like Jesus, don't you? You want to talk just like Jesus. You want to smell just like Jesus. Maybe there's some things in your life this morning that you know that is inhibiting this holy walk. Maybe we're going to be talking about this maybe next week. I just have just a few more messages in this series. Maybe some of you are lacking power and you're continually giving in to the enemy. I'll bring this out again, but do you realize the, the, the Word of God... I believe in Romans, tells us that Jesus Christ was brought to life. He came back to life out of, the, out of the tomb. After three days, He came back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, is what it says. They're all one, the Trinity, three and one. We get that. But it specifically said the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Scripture goes on to say, and the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is accessible to you and I. Why do we live such defeated lives? Why do we allow the enemy to defeat us and bang us and discourage us when all we have to do is just die to who we are and live to him and be filled afresh and anew? Maybe that's you this morning. Would you bow your heads? Father God, I love your message of holiness. And Father, you know that I too am a work in progress. And God, before I preached this message, I had to ask to die. Is there anything in my life, God, that is not holy before you? Holy Spirit, we have been talking about you, and I believe that you will lead us and guide us, and you will pinpoint those things in our life that are not right. God, our job is then to just say yes to you with whatever you want us to do. 
Oh, Father, I pray that it's the desire of everyone in this room this morning is to look like Jesus, is to just be like Jesus. But we can't do it on our own. Father, maybe there's someone here this morning that is tired of doing it on their own. And they need your help. They need the power of you, Holy Spirit, to help them and the ability to overcome. Lord, maybe there's someone here that needs to die to a device, a habit, some kind of bondage, a chain. I don't know what it is. In order to live a holy life, you are pinpointing. It might be just one thing in someone's life this morning. Father, I pray that they'll come this morning and they'll pray and they'll ask you to take it, deliver them from whatever that is and fill them up with you. Lord, I don't know. It may be totally different than what I've... Holy Spirit, you speak to us. Take my heart. Take our heart and form it. Holy Spirit, take our mind and transform it. Take our wills and conform it to yours. To yours, O Lord. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to sing this song.